happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke App Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from Eastern Shore, Maryland. Folks, you know, I want to start off today's show with my absolute and continued fucking annoyance with mainstream media. So, you know, at the end of last week, uh, Mike Allen at Axios decided to put up an article where once again, uh, the mainstream media, along with many Democrats, right, want to preempt their midterm election failure, right, which, you know, is several months away. But they want to preempt that failure by pinning it on whom? Not Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, the two white obstructionists who have been the sole reasons as to Biden's agenda being pretty much dead in the water outside of physical infrastructure. We have no voting rights. We have no police reform. We have, um, kind of mixed, uh, mixed bag as it pertains to the human infrastructure bill, which is stalled because Joe Manchin doesn't believe that families should have child tax credits or parental leave. And so in this article written by Mike Allen at Axios, they've decided to begin, to begin their blame game on the squad saying that, the squad's liberal politics is backfiring in a very real way. Do you know what's backfiring? Bullshit right now. What is backfiring is the fact that the Biden administration, Joe Biden, our president, believed that he was going to be able to waltz into the White House, into this administration, and go back onto the Hill with his white cronies and get them to side with him over, you know, a glass of scotch and some conversation that he apparently hadn't been paying attention to the last four years under Donald Trump and to his time as vice president under Barack Obama to recognize who these people actually are and who they've become, right? And then 
You get into office and it's not only Republicans that you're battling against, but you're battling against the so-called bullshit moderates, which they are not moderates. I am so fucking tired of us referring to Joe Manchin, who is a Republican in fucking sheep's clothing alongside cinema who is also a Republican in sheep's clothing, clothing as moderates, right? Because that gives that, that language allows people to think that, oh, you know, that they want change, but that those of us who are progressive and coin ourselves as liberal are just pushing too far, too much, right? As if we should be slow rolling our progress after the fucking steamroll job that the Trump administration and Republicans did over the last four years. And what is happening at the state and fucking local level as it pertains to voting restrictions and suppression, as it pertains to book banning, right? And changing of, of public school education curriculum to ensure that white people and white children are not uncomfortable with, you know, the reality of America. So instead of once, again, shining the spotlight on white people and white members of Congress who don't actually want progress because it is not good for their own bottom line, for their own pocketbooks and wallets, right? Instead of the focus being on that, they have decided to begin the spin job and tell us that the reason why Democrats are failing is because they're too fucking liberal. Folks, here's the thing. And this is a thing that continues to piss me off about Democrats. And I'm telling you, I'm kind of getting to a place where I want to say that I'm one of those bullshit independents because at the, because it is embarrassing at this point in time to be referring to myself as a Democrat, a party that doesn't actually give a shit about me, that they want to come around, right? And pander to the black community, pander to brown communities and say, oh, we need your vote right? And then they disappear for two, four years at a time. And then when they fail to meet the agenda of those communities and they fail to increase excitement and enthusiasm around the policies that they're putting forward or their campaign promises that they continue to fucking break, then all of a sudden they turn around and they want to blame us for their inadequacies, right? And I'm tired of the same cycle over and over and over again, because frankly, here's the thing. You see what Republicans are doing with their younger, right? Their freshmen and sophomore classes of folks, those fucking fringe right-wing crazy, batshit crazy people. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Laura Boebert. This is the face of the Republican party. This is who they are. And you would think, right? That if Republicans can embrace crazy and say that these people are their future, how is it that we are still in a place where we don't recognize that the AOCs, the Rashida Tlaibs, the, uh, Ayanna Presley's are actually the future of the democratic party. They are not the future. They are the now because they are the ones that are telling it like it is and are seeing right? Our democracy go down the toilet are seeing the fact that if we do not intervene in the climate crisis, which we are all currently experiencing with major shifts in weather this summer, I mean, this winter, right? Which feels right. Like spring is happening in February when one day it's 65 degrees in New York. And then the next day there's a snowstorm. And that is actually a trend that is happening across the country. So we're experiencing climate change in real action. And yet 
They're being looked at as lunatics for wanting us to move forward with a green new deal, right? That because they talk about voter suppression and what is happening and the fact that we actually need to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that no, they're seen as pushing too much. I don't understand what Democrats are thinking right now. I don't understand how they think that throwing, throwing the progressive people of color in their party who are willing to stand up and tell the truth about white supremacy, that are willing to stand up and tell the truth about obstructionism, that are willing to stand up and tell the truth right? About who their friends and foes actually are and that they are within their own party, that this is who you're choosing to throw under the bus and allow mansion and cinema off scot-free. Like those are the people that the fucking administration wants to invite over for coffee and tea to come to some agreement, but you want to throw out the squad, go fuck yourself. Because I'm telling you that the decisions that are being made right now, right? About this kind of mainstream drip and dribble of news that's saying who we're going to blame. It is going to backfire big time on Democrats. And it will not be the fault of the squad. It will be the fault of the inadequate fucking spineless white members of Congress who have decided that, you know what? Equity is just a little too much and a little too soon. And I'm, I'm simply, I'm over it. And they're going to watch in droves as people of color decide to stay the fuck home, right? As young people who you continue to give out drips and drabs, they've asking for student loan debt relief, right? To erase it, to take off the anchor that is holding these people back from being able to contribute more to our economy, which apparently is more important than anything, right? Relieving that student loan debt is what can jumpstart us, but no, right? Because greed is good. As I've said so many times before, we are a country filled with Gordon geckos, right? That's who we are. And it is so easy and typical, right? For white mainstream media to once again decide who is going to be their battering ram. And it's going to be the people of color that dare to speak out, that dare to say that our policies are unjust and that our democracy is failing and that we need to, we need a new agenda. But those are the people that you go after, not the mansions, not the cinemas. And I'm tired, tired of it. So Mike Allen and Axios and your stories and everyone else that's getting ready to piggyback off of that bullshit, I see you and I'm going to call you the fuck out. friends. On some good news, just a little bit, right? I, I want to transition into a little bit of hope. Coming up next is my weekly conversation with our friend, host of Justice Matters and uh, MSNBC legal analyst, Glenn Kirshner. Over uh, the end of last week and over the weekend, news broke that there was actually progress made on the part of the civil case that is being put together by New York AG Tish James against the Trump organization. That she, right, has been granted the ability to be able to depose not only Donald Trump, but his fucking spawn, right? The whole crime operation family. They have one, one possible move left 
which is to appeal to the New York State Supreme Court, which Glenn will tell us in our upcoming interview will most likely be slapped down. But folks, I know it. We've been collectively holding our breath. We've been collectively trying to wait patiently for justice to prevail. But I want to get your thoughts on whether or not you think, after listening to this interview, if we are finally, uh, finally approaching that time, that Donald Trump and his family of criminals have finally run out of rope. That conversation is coming up next. Folks, you know that I am always so excited when we have our friend, MSNBC legal analyst and host of Justice Matter, Glenn Kirshner, to join us to walk through the latest in all of the legal news surrounding Donald Trump. Now, Glenn, last week, we ended the week annoyed, right? Because we are still waiting for the Department of Justice to come out heavy to actually hold these criminals accountable. But some news out of New York which you and I have been talking about. New York Attorney General Letitia James um, is now going to be able to question not only Donald Trump, but to question what I refer to as his spawn. Because I cannot stand that the media refers to 40-year-old people as children and infantilizes the Trump um, spawn. So tell us why this move uh, in New York is significant. Um, and because we have two states, right, that we've been keeping an eye on, Georgia and New York, because, again, the Department of Justice, in my eyesight, is nowhere to be found in terms of what kind of investigation that they're doing into Trump. Give us the latest out of New York. Yeah, Danielle, it's not just the ruling that was made by this New York State Court judge, Judge Arthur Engeron. I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. his name right. But it's what he put, what he disclosed in his eight-page ruling that he just issued. So this is actually a fairly routine battle over whether somebody will have to comply with a subpoena. We call it a motion to quash. These things get litigated in every jurisdiction every day around the country. This one's notable because it's for Donald Trump and Don Jr. and, and Ivanka. But So the judge not only rejected Donald Trump's claim Mm -hmm. that he shouldn't be forced to sit for a deposition in A.G. James' civil fraud investigation, but here are a couple of things he said that in my 30 years as a prosecutor, I haven't seen judges put this kind of stuff in their orders in these kind of routine motions. He said, I reviewed thousands of pages of documents Mm -hmm. that A.G. James' office subpoenaed from Trump and the Trump organization. And after he reviewed all of that evidence, here's what he said, and I'm gonna quote it. When a state attorney general commences an investigation and uncovers copious evidence of possible financial fraud, she has an absolute right to question under oath the organization's namesake, Donald Trump. And then he added that if Attorney General James had not opened this investigation, and had not subpoenaed Trump and Don Jr. and Ivanka, it would have been, quote, a dereliction of duty. In other words, this judge has seen so much evidence of fraud that he dumped those findings and conclusions into this eight-page ruling, which I urge Mm -hmm. everybody to read. And it's a really ominous sign. I know we feel like the investigative circle has been tightening around Donald Trump forever, 
That doesn't mean that's not true, but you know, we're, we're frustrated, we're impatient, we're tired of a lack of accountability. And I did a long video yesterday about how we have to try to balance that frustration with the need for patience in what is an unprecedented series of crimes by our highest government officials. So let, let's give let, let's provide a bit of a recap, right? Because again, to your point, there are so many cases pending against Donald Trump. So with New York, this is a civil case, right? This is about the Trump organization as a whole and their fraudulent behavior. This is, is it similar to the way that uh, Letitia James, the New York AG, was able to shut down the foundation? Is this, is this the similar kind of um, mode of operation that New York is taking now with the entirety of the, of the Trump organization? It is. This is basically a civil financial fraud case. Just as Tish James went after the Trump um, Foundation, the charitable foundation, mm -hmm. and shut it down and made them pay fines and penalties, just as they went after the Trump University sham and shut it down and made them pay fines and penalties. Danielle, the smart money right now is on Tish James completely shuttering the Trump organization in its entirety and bankrupting it by making them pay huge fines and penalties and perhaps restitution and back taxes to the city and the state, hopefully ultimately the feds. This is really the death knell of the Trump organization. But don't forget, there's also a tandem criminal investigation mm -hmm. being conducted by Alvin Bragg, the district attorney in Manhattan. The organization is criminally indicted. Alan Weisselberg, the chief financial officer, is criminally indicted. And Donald Trump is up next. I would bet a buck on it. Okay. So here we have now the New York has been working in tandem with one with one another, with a civil investigation, a criminal investigation, all including the Trump organization. When we say the Trump organization, this is their real estate businesses, I'm assuming, right? All of the licensors and things that they and things that they do. Is it possible, though, that what 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 do you anticipate? And again, Trump does not surround himself with the best or the brightest. What do you anticipate the defense to be? The the understanding around the pushback with regard to the deposition is what Trump is above the law. He's president. What 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 were what was the pushback from the Trump lawyers? And what do you anticipate um, the maneuvers or or the sliminess that I, I'm referring, not you, uh, that they will try and do to outmaneuver Tish James and getting Donald Trump in front of a camera in a room to ask him questions. So they really tried to make two, um, they tried two things in defense of, you know, trying to avoid these subpoenas. They said, Tish James is biased against mm -hmm. us. The judge said, nonsense, just because a prosecutor dislikes you doesn't mean they can't prosecute you. So the judge completely rejected that. And then the second was that somehow Donald Trump is being selectively prosecuted based on a protected class. And the judge said, what class would that be? Race, religion, gender, <laughs> ethnicity? Uh, yeah, denied. They had no principled basis for their their claim that they shouldn't be forced to, to sit in a deposition in a civil case. And I'll tell you, Danielle, the judge threw real shade at the Trump lawyers when he said right in the middle, he compared them to George Orwell 
and specifically said, yeah, this is like George Orwell, war is peace, freedom is slavery, and ignorance is strength. Oh, damn. And then he added, and it's kind of like, quote, alternative facts. So he even in his motion threw some shade at Kellyanne Conway, propagandist that she is, mm -hmm. lumped her together with George Orwell, a beautiful move. And that was in response, mind you, to the Trump lawyers saying, when our accounting firm, Mazars, walked away from us and said they're walking away from 10 years of their accounting work because inferentially the Trump organization gave them garbage numbers. They said that's a complete exoneration and that should shut down Tish James civil case and Alvin Bragg's criminal case. And the judge said, I can't let this go unaddressed. And he accused them of Orwellian propaganda. And I'm glad he did because it looks like certain segments of the judiciary are sick and tired and fed up with Donald Trump's BS when he tries to weaponize the delay in the court system to work to his advantage and run out the clock. The courts seem to be done with that. I mean, uh, with, and this isn't even about the election, but I mean, with the, the frivolousness right, uh, of their defense, the cases that they bring, the appeals, the motions that they put in place, like it is nonsense, right? And, and for people who actually believe in the rule of law, regardless of how you got on the courts to begin with, right, if you believe in the rule of law, then th their behavior is a slap in the face, right? Um, so, so tell us now, uh, because, you know, I get my law degree from Law & Order on NBC. So tell me, tell us what we can expect and what 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 happens in a deposition and will Donald Trump go first? Will it be Ivanka um, do? And if, if they are now because of this motion by the, what the judge has said, they're out of appeals. Right. So they can't stop. They have one more appeal. Okay, they have they have one, one more, more okay. appeal to a higher New York state court, which I think will be rejected summarily, hopefully very quickly. But then I can tell you what the depositions mm -hmm. will look like. Because remember, the, the recent subpoenas were for Donald Trump, Don Jr. and Ivanka, but Eric was subpoenaed previously. He fought it. He lost. He went into that deposition and pled the Fifth Amendment 500 times. So I can promise you, Danielle, that is precisely what the Trump and Don Jr. and Ivanka Trump depositions will look like. 500 hundreds times? And hundreds and hundreds of invocations of their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, but that has consequences. In the civil case, in Tish James' civil fraud investigation, if it goes to trial, it'll probably end up settling somehow and the Trump organization will agree to disband. But if it goes to trial, a civil jury can and will be told, Donald Trump and Don Jr. and Ivanka pleaded the fifth and you can use that and draw negative inferences and make it part of your ruling against them in the civil case. But it can never be introduced at a criminal trial because your Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination mm -hmm. says you can invoke it with impunity and a jury is never allowed to draw a negative inference based on the fact that you pled the Fifth. And let me tell you, the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination is much mocked and derided and made fun of, only mobsters and this and that. It, it couldn't be a more valuable constitutional right because without it, mm -hmm. the, the police, law enforcement, the government could force us to incriminate ourselves, mm -hmm. compel mm -hmm. us, coer coerce us, 
So I embrace it. I teach my criminal justice students at GW that we have to embrace these things, even though, yes, people get to hide evidence of their crime by not offering it to the government. That's an important right that we all have. What are the roles that Ivanka and Don Jr. have played in the Trump organization, right? Because here's the thing. Has Donald Trump essentially used this, his same, I don't use phones, I don't use emails, right? I, I, I'm not, I guess, signing any document. Like, so what, what, was, what are their roles? Like, meaning, has Donald Trump put his family more on the hook for his bad behavior because he's so busy as the mob boss that he is insulating himself right from any from from any call and any any crimes that he has left his own family out to dry oh he's put his own family his own adult children thank you spawn, as you call them in in the crosshairs there's no two ways about it because you know, Donald Trump thinks he's smart mm -hmm. by not putting things in writing mm -hmm. in emails and text messages like mob bosses, you know, are wont to do. Um, so that means he talked to his principal officers in the organization. Who would those be? Ivanka, Don Jr., Eric, um, this Calamari character, um, Alan Weisselberg. So that's why all of these people um, have valuable incriminating information about their dad or their boss mm -hmm. about his organization. And of course, they also have information that would incriminate themselves. I got to tell you, it wouldn't shock me if an Ivanka Trump said, oh, no, no, I'm not going down for daddy. I will go ahead and tell you everything you need. You grant me immunity. I'll write a book and I'll ride off into the sunset. Can't you see Ivanka being ruthless enough and probably, you know, this is not a high bar, but maybe being the smartest one of the Trump clan yeah. um, to, to do something like that. Couldn't you see her dad teaching her the, the value of that kind of a lesson? Sell out your family members, take the loot, get immunity and ride off into the sunset. I mean, they're the real life succession. If anybody watches that show, I mean, they, they are the real life succession. I, I you know, um, I think that one of the most interesting things here is that. You know, well, here's the question, Glenn. What makes what is happening right now, uh, what what Tish James, how she is putting the, screw, the screws into this organization, what makes this different than all of the other cases that have been waged against Donald Trump for fraud? I mean, you know, again, he has had the name Teflon Don in New York since the 80s, right? Because of his illegal it, it, behavior, but it's never caught up with him. So d is there something that makes this particular case different than all of the other ones that came three decades before? You know, I think it's a tribute to Tish James because there have been so many prosecutorial failures over the decades, mm -hmm. failures to hold Donald Trump accountable. Why? Well-moneyed white men are not the kind of people prosecutors prioritize when they're enforcing the law. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump has been an unabated crime wave for decades. Did Cy Vance ever take him on? Remember the one time that Cy Vance's prosecutors assessed the evidence against, I believe it was 
it was Ivanka and Jared or Ivanka and Don Jr. I don't want to get the, the combination wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the prosecutors recommended to Cy Vance to bring criminal charges. Cy Vance under, under, overruled the recommendation of his career prosecutors, refused to indict the Trump adult spawn, and thereafter actually um, took a campaign contribution from the lawyer representing the Trumps at the time he made that decision. How does that smell? How does that, but how, Glenn, it smells like crap. So how does that not set off red flags and alarms as to the dis- how that decision was made and why? It did set off red bells and alarms, but years later, when Donald Trump became president, now we were fully focusing on his past crimes and transgressions and misdeeds, and this thing bubbled up again. But let me tell you, um, Tish James is doing what every honest, honorable prosecutor in the country should be doing against Donald Trump, because he's committed crimes in all 50 jurisdictions by, um, by, I believe, committing the offense of manslaughter for avoidable COVID deaths. Every single prosecutor in the country should be dug into the grand jury to see whether there's enough evidence to charge him. And there is, I can tell you as an old homicide prosecutor, there is. So Tish James has the guts to do it and she's doing it and she's doing it in the face of withering criticism from Trump and the right wing media. And she doesn't care. That's, that's what a prosecutor is supposed to do. Prosecute without fear or favor, without prejudice, without animus. She doesn't have to like him, but she does have to prosecute his crimes. And that's what she's doing. So where, where do we find, so, you know, it was Alan Weisselberg's, um, his deposition, him being indicted, that kind of uh, jump-started all of this. Where is he right now, and how much of a threat is his knowledge to the Trump organization at, the, at this time? It, it's a huge threat. Where he is right now, I believe, is pending trial. I don't recall if there's a trial date set in the New York State prosecution, but he is indicted on multiple counts, including a 15-year scheme of criminal fraud in the first degree, not to mention all sorts of tax transgressions. And But so he could help take down Donald Trump. The only question is, will he or does he want to spend the rest of his life in prison? Mm-hmm. That's a decision he has to make for himself. As of right now, we don't know if he has chosen to cooperate or if he's holding fast. He's going to be a foot soldier for Donald Trump just like all Donald Trump's insurrectionists who Mm -hmm. did what he told them to do on January 6th, and now they're going to jail. Um, Maybe Alan Weisselberg is foolish enough to go the same way as the Oath Keepers and the rest of them. I I don't know. And the accounting firm now, right? Are they going to be held accountable? So they have been doing, right? They they ended their relationship once they felt the heat being, uh, being, being turned up, but for over a decade. They had been the accounting firm of note. So if we know that Alan Weisselberg committed crimes that he is indicted for, is the same thing going to happen to the entirety of the accounting firm that was their firm of record? Maybe. So I think Mazars, um, when they said we are walking away from Trump and his organization and we are disavowing 
the accounting work that we've done for the last 10 they're years. They're disavowing their own work. What's that? They're disavowing their own work. They're disavowing their own work because by inference, Donald Trump was feeding them garbage numbers. Mm -hmm. So their work can't be relied on. So they, I don't want to say that they are in fact criminally culpable as part of this conspiracy with Donald Trump, but what they made a calculation, right? Often the calculation somebody has to make who's culpably involved and they know the government is coming after them is do they want to get on the train of cooperation or do they want to get run over by the train? Mazars decided we want to get on the train and there's no doubt they flipped against Trump and the organization. And the reporting is the chief accountant responsible for doing the work for the Trump organization has testified against Trump and company. So they've flipped. That doesn't mean they're going to get a complete pass, but they might. Sometimes we give smaller, less important criminal fish a complete pass. We'll give them immunity if they give us the bigger fish. Sometimes we make them take a bite of a criminal charge and we make them a cooperating witness. You plead guilty to this reduced charge and testify truthfully about all the crimes you know, and that's the way we will run somebody like that. So we don't know the exact posture of Mazars other than they've clearly flipped and they're providing information about Trump and company, and that will also help tank Weisselberg, which might put him over the edge mm -hmm. to cooperation. All right, so final question for you, just you know, today on this glim, is walk us through the timeline now, okay? So this news breaks, um, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka can be deposed. How long does that how long does that process take to get them one by one in? And then once they are and how long, right? Are are depositions, are they are they time stamped or can they, you know, can they continue? Is there a certain amount of time that you have these people to interview or not? And then what does it look like? What what happens after the deposition? So first of all, the judge said, uh, I think within 21 days, okay. they will sit so for these depositions. However, they're going to have an opportunity to file um, an appeal to the New York Court of Appeals. New York has a strange way of, of labeling their courts. The first appellate court is called the Supreme Court of New York. The next one is called the New York Court of Appeals, which is the highest court. I suspect they'll file a, a, a petition for review and it will be summarily rejected. So that may extend the 21 days. But if not, then within 21 days, these depositions will be held. Usually they are long affairs, six, eight, eight hours um, until the prosecutors or the civil attorneys um, ask all of the questions they want to ask and listen to the person being deposed, say, I plead the fifth, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, and thereafter, so here's the the upside of where we are. Mm -hmm. Usually deposing the most important people is the very last step okay. before bringing that case as a civil suit against Trump and his organization. So, you know, this is kind of the end game of the investigative stage. Mm -hmm. And then the civil fraud suit will probably be brought pretty promptly after these three depositions are concluded. Tell me this too, um, because in the age of COVID, I, I, I'm wondering, will they need to be deposed in person or will Donald Trump be doing this from the Mar-a-Lago buffet line? Like how, how you know, again, because I personally, I would find that getting Donald Trump in a physical room, right, with his, you know, with his attorneys present 
would be the goal here. But is is this going to be in person? Is it going to be remote? What what does that look like? So, you know, when it comes to criminal trials, remote testimony is never a substitute. Um, it's just not even constitutional because unfortunately the criminal justice system has not kept up with the time. So everything has to be live in court. But when it comes to depositions and civil investigations, there's much more leeway and the parties can actually agree to a remote deposition where, you know, Tish James staff is in New York and Donald Trump is elsewhere and they're doing it via a video link. So there's a lot more wiggle room and often the parties will agree. Uh, you know, I would prefer to see it all in one room too, a mm-hmm. controlled mm-hmm. environment. Right. But it wouldn't shock me if some of the depositions now, particularly in the day of COVID, are done remotely. Okay. You know, I, Glenn, so, all right, how are you feeling? L- you know, last, the last question for you. How are you generally feeling about this actually coming to an ahead? We always ask, like, should Donald Trump yeah. be worried? Is it is now finally the time? Is it going to be 2022 that finally Donald Trump is held to real serious accountability for his decades-long crime spree? Are we feeling optimistic? Should we feel hopeful about this? Or are we setting ourselves up once again for a big downfall? Um, So I don't want to misuse a medical term, but I feel kind of schizophrenic because there are times (laughs) when I'm really hopeful and I'm optimistic. And then there are times when I am so frustrated that I just want to scream. I actually did a long video on my Justice Matters channel yesterday talking about the how do we balance the frustration with the need for patience. It's not easy. And I go back and forth literally daily, if not hourly, hourly on right? mm-hmm. how I'm feeling about things. And that's okay. And I express it and it may seem like I'm inconsistent, but you know, we feel different ways when we take different information in about whether we're moving toward accountability for Donald Trump or away from accountability for Donald Trump. Now, I will say at this moment, with, you know, Joe Biden saying, no, you're going to get the visitor logs for January 6th. We're not going to hide those the way Donald Trump wants us to hide them. With the district attorney for D.C., Carl Racine, winning a serious victory with the Trump inaugural committee, the Trump organization going back into that litigation, Mm -hmm. with Mazars walking away from Donald Trump and inferentially cooperating against Donald Trump, with this devastating ruling by the New York State Court judge yesterday with the House Select Committee. And let me kind of, yep, we can yep. go on and on, but let me leave it with this, with this little piece. You know, Representative Jamie Raskin, mm-hmm. who sits on the House Select Committee and is privy to the more than 500 interviews with people who are cooperating with the committee and who have provided documentation to the committee. Just recently on Dean Obidala's show, Representative Raskin said, based on he knows all this information that we don't because it's all going on behind closed doors. He said, Donald Trump is, and I quote, guilty as sin, a one man crime wave, and he will get his comeuppance. Not the word I would choose, but. (laughs) (laughs) And so for Representative Raskin to say that, right, with his basis of knowledge, I think that's an important pronouncement from a serious and circumspect man like Jamie Raskin. And I draw a parallel, Danielle, between that and what this New York court judge said. After reviewing thousands of documents, he said there is copious 
evidence of possible financial fraud. That's an informed opinion that we got. At the moment, mm -hmm. I'm feeling optimistic that the investigative circle is tightening around Donald Trump. But let's see what story breaks today, and maybe I'll feel differently. You know, I I, I want to say, and you know, I, I'm, hell may freeze over. I too am optimistic about the I'm direction glad. about the direction that all of this is going because, you know, Donald Trump has been allowed to be incredibly slippery for an incredibly long time, right? Just just for for the reminder that you gave us about, oh, Cy Vance all of a sudden decides not to investigate, come to find out. He receives a, you know, a, a contribution, right? How many people have received contributions from the Trump organization, Democrats, Republicans, it doesn't matter, right? He's been able to buy his way out of jail for over three decades. And I hope that it stops. The only thing that I will say about Congressman Raskin that I will disagree with, he is not a one man crime wave. He is a family crime wave, right? Yeah. He is the head of a family of criminals, right? And everyone that he has brought in from Michael Cohen to Alan Weisselberg to all of the quote unquote outsiders, right? They are every single one of them are criminals. And so birds of a feather flock together. Right. And I hope now that Tish James is going to be the first one to pick it apart for those that are less courageous than her to follow suit um, after the suit is actually made. So I, I, you know, Glenn, dare I say, I will end today by saying I am hopeful for the first time in many, 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 many months that the walls actually are closing in on Donald Trump and the Trump organization. So as always, Glenn, we appreciate you and your insight. And I hope that next week when we talk again, we have more good news to give to the Woke AF Let's listeners. hope so. Let's hope so. Appreciate you. Thanks, Danielle. Friends, as we start out our week, let us have our Woke Moment of Wellness. I have been, as, as you know, meditating uh, multiple times a day and getting back outside and walking. But one of the things that I also want to talk about, and I, and I don't know if I talk about this probably enough on this show, is how important it is as we all age, right, to recognize that movement is important. It isn't just important, you know, for our health and well-being, but it is really important for these times of great stress, right, and strain. That moving our bodies, you know, taking putting in into our calendars after 90 minutes, right, of sitting still at desks hunched over on computers, that putting in 10 to 15 minute blocks throughout your day of being able to either walk around your house, your apartment, your block, getting fresh air, stretching out your body, doing a couple of downward dogs, a couple of twists, right? Being able to move and increase that nimbleness, right? In our bodies is incredibly important. It helps us relieve our stress, our anxiety, and it helps us continue to be mobile, which my mother tells me all the time, as you age, 
The more mobile you are, the healthier you will be. So I want to remind folks, you know, sometimes take me out on your walks with you, right? Listen to Woke AF as you're doing something that is active, that is good for you. Let us use this rage and this frustration as our daily movement motivator. That was your Woke Moment of Wellness. That is it for me today, folks, here on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.